Well, friends, last week we jumped back into our teaching series through the book of Ephesians, and we opened up to Ephesians chapter 2 and began this series that we have been titling, We Are One. As you read Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 through 22, the rest of the chapter, you'll see this We Are One language on display. And maybe this morning that would be confusing to you, but I don't want it to be. I don't think it, it should be. Uh, we're not one in ourselves. We're not one in the world. We're not one with the universe. We're not one with nature. We're not one with energy. We're not one with music. We're not one with sports. Friends, the scriptures tell us that we're one with Christ. Hallelujah. Amen that we see in Ephesians chapter two, this overwhelming reality that God is trying to get us to see that the believer in Jesus is not just believing in a theory, is not just believing in some intellectual knowledge of a God that's up there, but actually is receiving the very spirit and person of Christ in us. And he's making us into this beautiful masterpiece. That's what a Christian is. That we are one with Christ. And that is a good news reality for us today. So I want to go ahead and pick it up where we left off in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. And we'll read this verse. Read it off the screen with me. Are you ready? One, two, three, four. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Amen. The title of my message is the same as last week, but this is part two, Poetry in Motion. Poetry in Motion, that we are God's poems being lived out in motion on a day-to-day basis. The pastor of this church in Ephesus writes this this letter to the Ephesian church, and, and in chapter two, verse one through nine, he's, he's trying to get us to understand that, that we've moved from death to life, right? In Ephesians chapter two, verse one through four, you see the darkest days in the Bible. For we are dead in our sins and trespasses. We're not taking a nap. We're not just not really aware, focused. We are actually dead in our sins and our trespasses against God. We are, we are uh, children of the wrath of God. We are headed into the wrong direction But God steps in and changes our course, changes our destination, gives us new feet, a a new heart, new mind, new spirit, uh, to walk in him, to walk with him. That's the we are one language. Now we transition into verse 10, and we talked about that last week. He transitions into verse 10 by saying, for, it's it's a transitional moment, for we are his workmanship. And that word workmanship is the Greek word poema, which is where we get our English word poem. We are God's poem, which can also be used as his construction, his painting, his masterpiece, his creation. We are his masterpiece, friends. And we we needed to understand that first, that we, the body of Christ, are, not might be, but are his, not anybody else's, masterpiece. But there's a comma there, and I want us to continue to bring an exposition to this one powerful packed verse. So if you're ready, say ready. Ready. If you're hungry, say let's eat. 
Let's eat. Father, I pray that you would speak to us now through the preaching of your word. We're ready to eat. The table's set. God, speak to us through Ephesians 2, verse 10. We need to hear your voice through this message. In Jesus' name, amen. The first thing we see in this second part of the verse is that we are created. I like that word, created. And it's important that we understand this word and the power behind it. It's the Greek word, kitso. It means to form to shape, to completely change or transform, to make something habitable, to give something life. We are created. And I love that right there because we're not just uh, manifesting out of nothing, but that means that there is an intelligent designer who is creating us. I like what author Paul Tripp says in his book on God being the creator. He says, the color of our eyes, the shape of your body, your intellectual and physical gifts, your hair, your voice, your personality, the color of your skin, the size of your feet, everything, all your hardwiring is the result of God's glorious creative ability. The package that created you comes from his hand. Amen? That's, that's true right there. Amen. He, he is an intelligent, awesome, good intended creator. And God is saying, hey, I love you so much, I want to create you and shape you. Do you know that you're one of a kind? Like you're one of one. Like even an identical twin is not that identical. You are one of one. God chose to make you so unique that there is nobody. Somebody say nobody. Nobody like you. And it's so interesting that God would say, yeah, that's my creation. Like the, the, the thumbprint of God is on you. He loves you to uniquely design and create you to who he is. But, but this takes us a little bit further as we continue to look at Ephesians 2.10. It says we are created in Christ Jesus. We are created in Christ Jesus. We've been created in someone. This goes to a whole deeper level of creation. This word in is the Greek word en. It's a similar word right here. It's, it's telling us that we're, we're a part of it. The same way you were created in your mother's womb is this spiritual speaking creation that has happened to us in Christ. That we have been created anew in Christ. We looked at this verse last week, 2 Corinthians 5.17. would encourage you to write it down. It just says that we're a new creation. The old has passed away, and the new has come. Jesus has this conversation with a guy named Nicodemus in John chapter 3. I would encourage you to read John chapter 3 sometime, and, and look at this dialogue between Jesus and Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a religious ruler of the day. He pulls Jesus aside in the nighttime and says, Jesus, I want to have a little conversation with you. And Jesus says, well, here's the conversation that needs to be had. You need to be born again. And he says, what do you mean born again? How can I go back in my mother's womb? He makes a joke, right? And Jesus is like, I'm not joking. Unless you're born again, born of the spirit, have a new heart, a new mind. Ezekiel 36 prophetically spoken through Jesus. He says, you need to be made new, created in Christ Jesus. Because Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, 1 through 9 tells us we've been created in the world. 
We've been shaped by the world. We've been formed by the world. Our hearts have been contaminated by the world. The things we've seen, the things that we've heard, we have, we have, we, we've been contaminated by this world. We've been created in this world. Therefore, Christ says, you need to be created in me. You need to be a new, a new creation created in Christ Jesus. I love Christ Jesus. I don't want to assume that we know what that means because that, that name could be a buzzword in Christianity or in your life as if we know what it means for him to be Christ. See, a lot of us, if, we, if we're not careful, would think that Christ is Jesus' last name. You know, Jesus Christ. But Christ is not his last name. Christ is his title. His God-given appointed title so that this text says we are his workmanship created Kitso in Christ the Messiah. Christ is the Greek word Christos, which translates to the Hebrew word Meshuach, which is where we get the word Messiah. We have been created in the Messiah. That's, that's how the original readers heard that. The Messiah was the anointed coming Savior from God. The Messiah was prophesied over hundreds of times in the Old Testament that this, this Redeemer would one day come. This Savior would one day come. You can even look back to the earliest days of Genesis chapter 3 after Adam and Eve sinned in the garden and God put a division right there between them and the garden and God ministered right there to the serpent. And you know what God said to the serpent in Genesis 3.15? He said, he said, one day I'm gonna send a seed that'll come through the woman. He's gonna crush your head. And, and even from there, where, when's the seed from the woman coming? Born of a virgin. It's coming through Mary. You can see in Matthew chapter one and Luke chapters one and two and three, J Jesus coming to save us. This redeemer. God spoke to Abraham and said, hey, one day there's going to be a savior that's even greater than you and he's going to come from you. And they, they looked toward him. Isaiah 53 tells us that this savior, this redeemer, this Messiah will one day come and he'll be bruised for our transgressions. By his stripes we'll be healed. He'll be crushed for our iniquities. This Messiah, this, this Christ will one day come. They thought that David was the Christ, but he wasn't the Christ. He was too sinful to ever be something as such. We've been waiting for this Messiah, and in Christ, we have him. And here's the good news, church family, that I'm trying to wrap my heart around. We have been created in him. So maybe you don't feel powerful this morning. If you're in the Messiah, you are. Maybe you don't feel victorious this morning. But the reality is you've been created in him. You've been created in the overcoming anointed Messiah, Jesus. Created in Christ the Messiah, Jesus. Jesus is a common man's name in this ancient history of Judaism. But it translates to the word Yahshua, which is where we get our word one who saves, savior, salvation. So if you've been created in the Messiah who can save, that is a reminder to you 
that friend, you can overcome any sin that is plaguing you, trying to hold you back. You, you can be the husband that God has called you to be. You can be the wife that he has called you to be. You can be the parent that he has called you to be. Here's why. Because you haven't been created in yourself. You've been created in the one who can't. You could be the employee that God has called you to be. And here's why. Because it's not going to be you at the end of the day. It's who you've been created in. The, the unique picture of Christianity is that God lives in us. Right? You could survey all the world religions alive today. And not one of them will say that their God will actually live in us. That he would create us anew and birth his spirit in our lives to live the life that he has called us to live. Friends, we are one in Christ. Does that make sense? We're, we're, we're not separated from God as if, you know, there's, a, there's an expanse that, that we can't get to him. And maybe one day when we die, we'll make it there. And maybe he'll feel merciful and let us in. That's not how Christianity works. It's the exact opposite. It's God saying, I'm coming down to you to make you new, to give you a new life a new heart to make you a new creation. That's what he tells us here, that we have been created in Christ Jesus. We continue now looking at this text and we see the purpose of why he's created us in Christ Jesus. Well, I would say there's several purposes, but let me just give you one out of Ephesians 2, 10. He says, we've been created in Christ Jesus for good works. Everybody say for good works. Come on, one more time. Say four good works. I love this right here, that, that Jesus has created us in Christ Jesus, and he has a reason for doing so. He says, we have been created for good works. Now, let me go ahead and remind you here that these works don't save us. Uh, let's clarify and take a step back in Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9. We saw this very clear. Right before this verse, Paul highlights works. And he says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, as if you could save yourself. You can't. This is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. So this right here tells us, right, that, that we're not saved by our works, right, but we're saved by faith that works. Does that make sense? I read a quote uh, earlier this week from the Reformers. Uh, the reason why I say the Reformers is because I saw this quote attributed to John Calvin. I saw this quote attributed at the same time to Martin Luther. So I, I, I attribute it just to the Reformers. And they once said it like this, it is faith alone that justifies but faith that justifies can never be alone. Does that make sense? It's, it's faith alone that makes us right before God, that justifies us before God. It's faith in Christ alone. And even faith is a gift from God, Ephesians 2.8. Yet our faith doesn't stand by itself. Our faith actually produces something in us. You can't be created in Christ Jesus and not do things like Christ Jesus. You can't be created in Christ and have nothing in you that resembles Christ. He's making us a masterpiece. He's conforming us into his image. The way we think is different. The way we talk is different. The way we feel is different because it's his thoughts, his feelings, his ways. That, that's the truth of the gospel in us. 
We are one. We're, we're, we're one. If I could describe the message of Christianity, it's this. We're one in Christ. If you don't like that, this ain't the one for you. If you don't want to be one with Jesus, where when you walk into the room, Jesus walks into the room. If you walk into the nightclub, Jesus walks into the nightclub with you. If you turn on pornography, he's looking at it too. He might not feel the right about it, and he'll let you know. You, you are one. That's what you signed up for. Christ in us is the hope of glory. That's what we're reading here in Ephesians 2.10. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. For good works. And I don't want us to miss this reality of this purpose for good works. I couldn't stress anymore that the good works aren't the, um, the thing that causes salvation. I like how Tony Morita says it. He can say it way better than me in his book on Ephesians. He says, after saying that our works cannot save us, Paul notes the importance of works. He does not want us to think that works are unimportant. He states that works simply are not the root of our salvation. They're the fruit of our salvation. Does that make sense? That, that the works that we do, friends, that, that, that's not the root that saves you. Some people have this mindset, and it's terribly wrong. Hey, I hope my good deeds outweigh my bad deeds. That never will. Just that thought alone is a bad deed, right? Because your good deeds will never out, out your bad deeds, let alone today, won't, will, will cover the, the, the amount of your good deeds, right? We continue to blow it. That's why we need to be created anew in Christ Jesus, and that happens by faith. So I once heard it put like this. It's not faith with works. It's not faith without works. Friends, it's faith that works. Like our faith will actually work. Like this isn't a broken faith. If you really do believe, it'll work. If you really do say, you know what, I believe in Jesus. I believe he's the Lord of my life. He's the master. He's the king. He's the owner of my life. I also believe he's the generous lamb, savior that, that bought me and set me free to live the life that he's calling me to live. And he lives in me and he walks with me and he comforts me and helps me and grows me and teaches me and shapes me. And he, he's, he's patient with me and he's kind to me. If you believe he's all those things, your faith is going to work. People might say something like, man, what's different about you? You say, my faith works. Right? Like, my batteries are in, charged up. My faith works. I think that's what people want to see. People want to see a faith that actually works. And here's the th thing. They really just want to see Ephesians 2.10 lived out. We've been created in Christ Jesus for good works. Not, not just, not, definitely not bad works, Amen. We don't need to over-spiritualize the word good. Good means good. We've been created in Christ Jesus for good works. James, the brother of Christ, writes in his letter, James chapter 2, verse 18, he, here's what he said. He said, look, someone will tell you this. They'll say, you have faith and I have works. James says, show me your faith apart from your works. I'll show you my faith by my works right? He says, hey, look, you want to see if I'm legit or not? Just look at my life. My works will speak for my faith. My works will be evidence of my faith. They're not the root of my faith. The, the root of my faith is Christ. But the fruit of my faith is my works. I've been created for good works. 
And, it, and they're going to happen the deeper I get to know Jesus, the deeper he's going to work through me. So oftentimes, sometimes people will give me compliments and I'll say, man, you must not be seeing me right now. You must be seeing Jesus working. He's doing his work. Christ moving, living his life through me. This is on display at the same time in the Gospel of Matthew, say Matthew chapter 7. The people want to know, well, how are we going to know who's a false prophet or not? Well, Jesus said, well, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? What he's saying is, hey, if you really want to know if somebody's off or not, dig deep into their life. Right? Your resume, friends, is not on a piece of paper. Your resume is your life. Your resume is your family. Your resume is your home. Your resume is your workplace. Your resume is what you do when no one's watching. Your resume is what you think when no one can hear it. That, friends, is the good works that Christ has created for us to walk in. We've been created for good works. Jesus says that's how you'll recognize them, by their fruit, by their works. Ephesians 2.10 reminds us that he has a plan and a purpose for work. Sometimes we hear this, this thinking that works and work is not part of the scriptures as if we can get saved and now the only important thing in ministry is church. But I'm convinced, friends, that God cares a lot more about your job than maybe you do. That God cares a lot more about your workplace than maybe you have given thought to. Our works are important, friends. Not only are they important, but they're good. We've been created for good works. Good works. So I want to I give you a reality statement right here that I would encourage you to write down or take a picture on the screen and maybe put it on your desk, all right? If you really want to glorify God with your life and work, be the best you could possibly be at whatever it is that you do. Did you guys catch that? Let me say it again. If you really want to glorify God with your life and work, in other words, if you really want to live out Ephesians 2.10, be the best you could possibly be at whatever it is that you do. Now, if, if, if you're saying, hey, look, I'm going to be really good at sinning. That's not what I'm talking about. Hopefully you understand that that is, that, that, all right, do not do that. I just should not have to say it, but you never know. You're like, man, I'm going to be a really good sinner. No. That, that, that means that you're not created in Christ Jesus, and you're on your way to hell, and you probably should get that right today. Amen? Um, but you've been created for good works. I never got interviewed after a bad game when I was playing college ball. They never said, man, come on over here. We want to interview you. Tell us about how bad you did tonight. <laughs> but it seems like every time I had the good game or I hit the winning shot or I had an outstanding performance, people, man, tell us about it. That's, an op that's a platform, friends. We should strive for greatness. We should strive for promotions. We should strive for opportunities to go to the next level with whatever it is that you do. God has created you for it. You're his masterpiece created in Christ Jesus for good 
works, good, this Greek word agathos, it means to be useful, it means to be pleasant, joyful, excellent in what you do. The, the Greek word for good is the same word for excellent. We have been created in Christ Jesus for excellent works that God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I like how R. Kent Hughes says it in his commentary on Ephesians. He says, each of us has an eternally designed job description that includes the task, the ability, and the place to serve. Take a second to just meditate on that for a second. We have an eternally designed job description, right? This happened before you were even created. God locked in on some of you and said, you're going to be a doctor in the city. God said, I'm creating you in Christ Jesus for good works. Here's how that's going to look. You're going to play hockey. God said, I'm creating you in Christ Jesus for good works. You're going to be a pastor. I'm creating you in Christ Jesus for good works. For some reason, at the age of six, you're going to love science. And you're going to be a doctor. I'm creating you in Christ Jesus for good works. You're going to have this spirit of protection. You're going to be a police officer. How, look how God is shaping humanity through his creative ability to produce good works through me and through you. We need to value our work. We need to value what it is that we do because God has divinely and sovereignly created us to do it. Works are a beautiful thing in scripture. I've been reading this book right here by pastor and author Timothy Keller. He wrote this book called Every Good Endeavor, Connecting Your Work to God's Work. Connecting Your Work to God's Work. This book uh, retails for $17. We're selling them for eight uh, in our merch store after the service. And as always, if you like the book and you don't have the $8, we'd love to bless you with it. Um, but you know what I've found? Uh, it's, there's, there's more ownership in my heart when I pay for it. When I get it something free, I'm like, oh, that was cool, and I toss it aside. But when I pay for it, man, I'm like, I got to read it now. Like, I pay $8 for that thing, man. <laughs> give, give, let me open at least the first chapter, right? This book is loaded with gems from author and pastor Timothy Keller from Redeemer Presbyterian Church in New York City. This man is a gifted author and writer. I love his works. We have some of his other books there as well. Here's one of the things he says in this book. He said, if God's purpose for your job is that you serve the human community, then the way to serve God best is to do the job as well as it can be done. Right? He also says in the book, he says, in Genesis, we see God as a gardener. And in the New Testament, we see him as a carpenter. No task, friends, is too small. Amen? So maybe you think, hey, my task, my job is pretty insignificant. God doesn't see it that way. God sees it as valuable, and he sees it as you being the one to make a difference in the community that you live in. God has created us in Christ Jesus to do good works. Ephesians 2.10, the last part, he says, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. If God has created you for this purpose of good works before you were ever even born, that you should walk in them, whatever it is that you do, friend, do it well. And in doing so, hear me, in doing so, you'll glorify God and you'll bless other people. For example, a Christian pilot, what should he do? Land the plane. 
Come on, amen? Christian pilot, what should you do right now? Preach a sermon? No. Land the plane. Christian home builder, what should you do? Make sure the measurements are right. Do it well. Construction builder, make sure you, you do your job. Police officer, how terrible would it be if you saw a police officer walking down the street, right? He had the whole getup on from the shoes to the hat to the whole outfit. And you're like, hey, officer. And he's like, I'm not an officer. <laughs> like, you know, you dress like it, everything, but like, you're not doing it. That would be, that'd be bad, right? We need, we need our people to identify their work and to go for it. You've been created for it. To honor and glorify God with your good works. If you're, if you're a doctor, friend, be careful with the knife. Be skillful. Be undistracted. And be focused. In doing so, you'll glorify God. Come on, right? And you'll help save somebody's life. And they might be able to walk into church because of your service. Come on. Right? If you're a chef, don't undercook the food. Don't overcook the food. Have you ever just got, a, got something and you just took a bite of it and you were like, Jesus, man, that's good, right? That's because of that chef. That's because of somebody who was in a garden picking something. There's a lot of different work that God has anointed to serve us, right? Like whoever built this school, I'm grateful for it because God was no, beforehand, he knew our church would meet here, Right? Like, God knew what he was doing. He knows what he's doing. The people that work at cell phone stores, right? Like, your job is important. Our our phone is able to work. The person who, who, you know, all these different things that we enjoy. Whoever built this pulpit, I'm grateful for. That was his job, her job. And, And they glorified God with it. It's making a difference in it. We have been created in Christ Jesus for good works, that which he prepared beforehand. Just think of a couple things. Let's just think of a few things, right? Think about chairs. Come on, somebody created chairs. Amen? Even if they're not the most comfy chairs, a chair is a chair, all right? I'm grateful that somebody thought of that, and it was from the Lord. I'm thankful for educators, teachers that are probably not getting paid as much as they should, but are serving on a daily and weekly basis because that's what they feel called by God to do. Thankful for doctors. I'm thankful for athletes. I'm thankful for pastors and theologians. I'm thankful for, uh, I'm thankful for the Golden Knights. Come on, somebody, right? I'm, I'm fired up. This is legendary. This is historical. It, I, I did some research. Hockey was created in the 16th century, right? And, and God knew what he was doing. He's like, I'm going to bring reconciliation to the city of Las Vegas through this sport one day. It's not insignificant. It's really important. Like, you can't just see Sunday as everything. This right here is honestly the huddle. All right, here's the place. Everybody, here's your place. Go to your job. You go to your job. You go to your job. You go to your house. You go to your kids. You go to the restaurant. And everybody live it out. Live out Ephesians 2.10. Break. Wow. You do that? Jesus is in the huddle like, all right, you do this, you do this, you do this, you do this. Go. Love one another. Be kind to one another. Serve one another. Meet up together. Uh, Repent from sin. Do your job well. Glorify God in everything that you do. Stay away from sin. Go. Do it. That's really what we're here to do. 
We're, we're here when we, we worship the Lord and we celebrate him together. I like the Gospel Transformation Bible, the ESV study. It says, if God has prepared good deeds beforehand, we must consider how and where we will walk today in order to fulfill his eternal purposes for us in Christ. The things that we do, we, we, we call them domains. A domain is wherever you live. A domain is wherever you work. A domain is wherever you play, wherever you hang out, wherever you, wherever coffee shop you go to. Wherever you live, your home, your workplace, and your domain, wherever you connect. Right? I want to show you a quick video uh, here on the screen that'll bring us a little bit more into this reality that we're talking about here today. I'm a student and I'm a missionary. I'm a physician and I'm a missionary. I'm a church planner and I'm a missionary. I'm a pediatrician and I'm a missionary. I am an insurance agent and I am a missionary. I'm a stay-at-home mom and I'm a missionary. I'm an occupational therapist and I'm a missionary. I'm in senior management and information systems and I'm a missionary. I'm a lawyer and I'm a missionary. Awesome. We got some friends here up on the stage with us here today. Um, are we missing a few? Where's this? Is Zena coming up here? Zena's behind me. Where is Jason coming up here? Come on, Jason. You come up here too. This is like, what? The price is right. Dun -dun -dun -dun. Come on up here, guys. Was that the wrong song? Was that the right one? Dun -dun 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 -dun. Awesome, you guys. Hey, these are a few people in our church. Don't they look nice? Don't they look lovely? Come on. Love these people right here. Um, I wanted to, to bring some people up here today uh, that represent different domains in our city and give them an opportunity to talk a little bit about what their domain looks like practically in their place of service. And they're Ephesians 2.10, right? They're understanding that, hey, I've been created in Christ Jesus for good works that God prepared beforehand that I should walk in them. And we'll talk with them a little bit about their domains. Right here we got Kim and John Brueger, who are educators here in the city. Yeah. We got Gabe Simmons, who works with the police department here in our city. Bang. Come on, we got Ms. Zena right here, who is a wife and mom in our city. We got Jason Romiskel right here, who works in hotel and hospitality in our city. I like that tie, man. I like that. I just want us to just have a little bit of a conversation today and hear from you guys about how you're using your domain in, in an Ephesians 2.10 type way. So when you hear this verse, we've been created in Christ Jesus for good works. You guys hear that and you hear, well, I'm a teacher. Every day I get up and I go serve and minister to students and a faculty. You hear that and you say, well, I got to protect our city and do my job the best way I can. You hear that and you say, I got three little boys running around. I got a husband over here and I got to make sure that I'm doing my job as a wife and mom. You hear that, Jason, you say, man, I got a whole bunch of staff at the wind and I got to make sure I'm doing my job to lead well there. Let's talk a little bit about how you're using your domain for the glory of God. Let's start with Miss Kim and John Brueger family. How, you, how are you using your domain? What school do you teach at? Tell us about what that looks like and how you use it for his glory. Um, I'm a special education teacher here at Schofield. Um, and so... Yep. <laughs> yeah. Let's clap. Amen. And I honestly have to say that this is 
the seventh school that I've been at in my career of 19 years teaching. Come on. Um, and this has been the easiest place to be as a Christian teacher um, because of the partnership that our school has with Walk Church. Come on. Um, wow. Amazing. We're going to clap this whole time because I'm fired up right now. That's a blessing to hear. Principal Neb has really embraced the church and has allowed them to really be a part of our school from um, the lunches that they provide to the staff, which everybody enjoys, but also to allowing them to be a part of activities such as the carnival, to the creation of the pantry, and also the fact that she invites Haydn to be the keynote speaker at awards night every year just proves that yeah. she does appreciate what the church stands for and what they bring to our school. So, um, and that's not true in the public school system in many, many schools. Um, a lot of administrators are not open to um, church, Christianity, anything being a part of the school. So just the fact that she allows that is yeah. really great. Um, and it opens up the opportunity for me to share my faith because although it really is just Ms. Munoz and I is the only staff that really are regular attenders and Ms. Snap's sister. Hey! Woo! There she is. <laughs> Shout out! <laughs> um, there are a lot of curious staff members out there and they are asking questions and, and they, um, you know, they, they ask questions and they're, they're appreciative of the church and so that has really given me a lot of opportunity to share my story and my faith with them and so that's been really encouraging Amazing. and also having children's church in my classroom, it's pretty neat because sometimes, you know, things will get left behind and I'll pretend I didn't see it. And so then the kids will see like the coloring pages and stuff with Bible stories. And, you know, there's walk church stuff everywhere in my room. And so that's opened up opportunities for me to talk to students too. How about and so that, friends, um, mm. it's, it's really been a blessing to be a part of a school that has a partnership with a church. And I feel for the first time in my career that I am able to share my faith in a way that I never have been wow. able to at my, and in my job Amazing, before. Come on. Wow. Yeah. Mm. So good. How about you, John? I teach fifth grade right down the road at Cartwright Elementary. And I've been teaching for um, about 18 years. And when I first started teaching back then, and the way I was then and the way I am now, I, I see a big difference in the way I approach things because... I came to know the Lord a little later in life, so I'm a little more understanding now, a little more patient, and I try my best to model strong integrity, strong character, Come on, and just to be the good role model for yep. my students that they can take with them when they leave. Yep. Um, but most importantly, I, I really just pray for them, for their success, for their health, and for their families. Wow. And just to always remember, when all else fails, they've got the Lord. They've, they've got me. They know where I'm at. I'm right across the street because most of my kids go to Silvestri. Mm. So just there's always somebody that's watching over them. Mm. And I always try to make sure that they know that. Wow. That's powerful right there, guys. Man. You know, I just, you know, I've heard about different things like the power of a praying mom, power of a praying dad, power of a praying, but the power of a praying teacher. Wow, that, that unlocked something right there, man. That's really good to, to say, hey, at the very minimum, I'm praying for my students and 
Ms. Kim opening, you know, she said one day, she said, hey, I want to volunteer my classroom. That's Ephesians 2.10. Right now it's happening. It's happening there right now by, by the glory of God. Um, thank you so much for sharing, you guys. That's awesome. Gabe, tell us about what that looks like for you on a daily basis. Yeah, so yeah, my name is Gabriel Simmons. I'm a police officer with uh, Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department here in town. Yeah. Um, I patrol the strip so it doesn't lack for action or something going on all the time. There's always <laughs> something new or something exciting. And um, just a little tidbit of information, I actually went to high school with Hayden. Yeah. So it's kind of crazy how God has worked everything for me, ended up here and everything. So that's kind of cool with that. Um, but some of the stuff that I go through on a day to day, like um, I won't go into all the details of the complexity of the job, but you see a lot of the darkness of the world. You most of the times are approaching people when they're at their worst, when they're in their worst situations, because people don't call the police to be like, hey, I'm having a great day. I just want to talk with you. They call the police when they're in trouble. <laughs> That's a good they point. Something. So um, you're seeing people when they're at their worst, when they've just gone through a traumatic experience. Maybe their child just passed away. Maybe they're just in a domestic uh, violence relationship. Their loved one has just passed away, something like that. So they're honestly, um, when I initially started with the police department, I don't believe that I, I was definitely not a Christian, and, but during that time I started uh, showing up to a Bible study, and um, it was actually um, a Bible study that Hayden was uh, going on, and my brother invited me to it, and I was really convicted, and just everything kind of transitioned in my life when I did truly become a, a born-again believer, and then now people at work, my coworkers, they see the way that I live and my brother who did have his uh, baby because we work together in the department as well. Yeah. Uh, but they, they, uh, they, uh, they give us shout outs and you know, uh, it's, it's interesting because a lot of times I feel like, man, am I, am I, am I representing Christ right at work? Am I doing the best that I can to do that? Am I sold out for Jesus? And um, just when opportunities arise, Jesus opens those doors for you. He's going to give you those opportunities to be able to share the gospel with people. Uh, people at work consistently come up and ask me questions about the Bible. They're like, oh, Gabe, oh, you're the Christian guy. I, let, me, let me ask you about, uh, let me talk to you about Jesus. Or I get to come across the homeless population quite a bit, especially on the Strip. We actually have a very large um, condensed area of the population that is homeless uh, down there. And just being able to talk with them, hear about their stories, and just being able to share the gospel with them to try to share some hope, to share that, hey, you know what, you're not alone. You are loved. Jesus does love you. There is hope in Christ or just when I come across different people. And I have to be careful at times with my job because there are certain things that I'm not allowed to say at work. But when people are open, just if, as long as you're praying, for me, I'm staying prayed up and staying active. And God, God opens wow. those doors. So That's yeah. awesome, man. Thanks, Gabe. Appreciate you. Appreciate your wife, Amber. Appreciate Isaiah, your brother, and, and, and even Pops, Sergeant Joe right there, and his wife, Joe. You guys, your whole family is making a difference, man. Um, Zena, tell us a little bit about what this looks like, because the, one of the reasons why we wanted to ask you to do this is because there, there could be this false temptation for parents in the room to think, you know what, hey, I'm, I'm honestly just a stay-at-home mom, or uh, I, I'm just a dad. You know, I don't really... I don't work on the strip, or I don't teach, or I don't, you know, in, in the domain of parenthood may be the most important one out of all the domains represented on the stage. And we never want to devalue that. So tell us about what it looks like as a, as a mom to three little awesome boys and a wife to Jason. 
not this Jason, <laughs> Super J. Just right um, there in the back. I see you back there. He's back there waving, just in case. Um, but go ahead. Um, for me, I really came to an understanding of um, my importance as a mom and my role um, early on, around when my other son, um, Elijah, was born. Because I came to um, an identity crisis because I see my friends from college, I see them very successful, they're going places, they're being um, used by God in many ways, and then here I am, I'm a stay-at-home mom. And I really just sought God and asked for wisdom and guidance because I said, Lord, you know my heart and my passion is to reach out to people. I want to be able to share them who Jesus is. I want to be able to tell them how God loves them. And during that time when God really gave me an understanding and assured me of my identity, that mm. me as a mom has a greater, I have a great, um, a great responsibility of raising up my kids. Come on. Because um, they are three men. And men, I, I mean, they are three boys. And they will grow up to be men in the family. Mm. And every words or um, actions that I make will affect them. And it will definitely prepare them once they grow up have their own family. And I really appreciate and I really thank God because he helped me understand that I am not just a mom who cleans, wakes up in the morning, drops them off to school because I was like a little bit complaining to God, Lord, I'm doing this thing every single day. It's like it becomes a rhythm, it becomes a mundane thing. But then when I realized that, I see that, no, these are actually my opportunity to be a reflection of Jesus in wow. the lives of my kids. So good. Because my... Yeah, that's right. It's true. The way I respond to strangers, they see, my kids see how I respond to strangers. The way I, when I'm driving, if, you know, somebody cuts you off, they will see that, how you respond. And, you know, yeah. our, our response will be a reflection of their response as well. And it's really amazing because uh, with, like, with my husband and how we are dealing with our kids, like I testified, Pastor, last week after Jason and I finished our devotion upstairs, we were, um, I was walking downstairs and I see my three boys. They were sitting on the couch and Josiah was reading the Bible to them. And how old is Josiah? Josiah is eight. Nice. He just turned eight. So good. And he was reading the Bible to them. And so it good. really touched my heart because... Yeah. They see us doing our devotion. And then my, my, my son, Micah, he says, Mommy, we also prayed and we sang our song. Yeah. And, you know, see. And that's those... because Kim opened up her classroom. <laughs> yes. <Wow. laughs> yes. That's yes. great. And that's beautiful. Those are the things that I, makes me realize that how I respond, how I act, how I care, and how my attitude is on a daily basis really makes an impact to them. And Amen. that is my domain. That's good. That is my heart. That is where God has put me. God has placed Praise me. Gina. Not in other places, not in, you know, not in this time right now, but this is my time. This is the wow. moment that God has given me to I be able it. to share and to bless and to cultivate, you know, the heart of Jesus in their life. Come on. I love it. Really good, Zena. Thanks for, thanks for leading that way. And we do have a lot of uh, moms and dads in the room, and those are some great things to model. I'm like, man, devotion, <laughs> devotion, do a devotion, right? Get EPAF reading. Um, Jason, man, tell us about where you work, what you do, and how you use that to the glory of God. Yeah, I work at a hotel on the strip. Uh, I don't really want to say the name. It rhymes with sin and <laughs> hardcore. Or maybe I shouldn't have said that. But yeah. anyway, so this is my uniform. I go 
to work after maybe eat lunch. I go straight there and um, I have to say that working on the strip is not for everyone. There's a lot of darkness. There's a lot of temptation there. So um, if God does call you there, you know, surround yourself with prayer, prayer warriors and, and some good people to keep you accountable. It's good. Um, but that being said, uh, the strip needs a lot of light and, and we're called to be light. And um, so one of the ways that God has, has used me in, in my domain is to really minister to my coworkers, and you know the guests that come come through are are awesome because they're from all around the world. So, uh, you know, I'm waiting for God to use me in that area as well to, right. to influence. But it's a little more touchy with that. But with with my coworkers, you know, we interact all the time, and you know, through examples and even through conversations and with lunch, with you know different things. Um, you know, I can share the gospel explicitly, maybe even hanging out, you know, outside of work. And I was able to do that well, with several people, sharing the gospel, sharing the, um, the good news of Jesus, how we're sinners and, and God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for, for our sins and that through faith in him we can receive eternal life. And um, someone even came to church with me a, a few times. Also, awesome. uh, what's pertinent to this, um, to the message today is that I was able to explicitly share Haydn's reality statement, which I was telling uh, someone I was sitting with there that, you know, God said it first. Like, yeah, it's Haydn's reality statement, but God said it first. <laughs> yeah. In, uh, <laughs> Thank you for that. First Corinthians, first Corinthians 1031 Don't says, get me in trouble. Whether yeah. then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And I remember um, when I had my first promotion, someone said, oh man, you know, you're so driven, you know, like, that's why you got this promotion, you know, you were like, you're just going for it. And I was like, actually, no, I wasn't expecting this. What I was trying to do was do my best for the glory of God. Right on. And, and it came about. And they were like, that's all you want to do. You want to do your best. Um, so I was able to share with them my, my relationship with Christ and, and what I value. Mm. And so, again, you know, I praise God for this opportunity. It's definitely rough sometimes, but, um, you know, it's, it's a blessing to see how, yeah. how God has used me and humbled me in this way. So, Amen. You know, yeah. Really yeah. good, you guys. Hey, let's give it up for our panel. Here. Uh, Ephesians 2.10 says, right, for we are his workmanship. We've been created in Christ Jesus for good works. Some on the strip, some off the strip. Some in the home, some out of the home, right? Some in the church, some out of the church. But we've been created for them. That which God prepared beforehand. How cool is it that he, he, he elected you uh, for his grace and to be used for his glory in a domain? Uh, that's an awesome gift. So I want to close our time out with the word of prayer and uh, then we'll move into our, our finish here today. Father God, I come before you in Jesus' name. Lord, I, um, God, I just, I pray that you would bless each one of these people that serve so powerfully uh, in their domains. And God, all the different domains um, uh, within our church family. God, would you use us all for your glory? Um, God, would you place on our hearts divine appointments and God, would you direct us in our steps and where we need to go, what we need to say, when we need to hold back, when we need to go for it, God. But no matter what, God, may we always do it with a spirit of excellence. For we are your masterpiece. 
a bunch, a bunch of broken glass put together to make a beautiful creation that gives glory and honor and the credit to you, God. Thank you for being our creator. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Go ahead and give our panel one more hand as they step off.